0: All right, well, good morning. Uh, If you're visiting with us today, I just want to say that we as a church are so grateful to have you with us as our guest. Or if you're watching online for the first time, thank you so much for joining us that way. And we would love to know you. You can text the word connect uh, to the number that you see on the screen, and one of our team members will follow up with you this week. If you're with us on campus, you can also stop by one of the welcome tables on your way out this morning. Um, I just want to encourage you if you are part of this church, uh, You are sent an email every week. It has uh, the insert for the upcoming Sunday and announcements. Uh, We also have the insert that we hand out every Sunday uh, that has announcements and uh, on social media. So I just encourage you, if you don't, um, pay attention uh, so that you are aware of things that are going on in the life of our church. Well, I invite you to open your Bible to Mark chapter 10 this morning uh, as we continue our in our series New Year Same Truth. And today's text is rather simple. So I'm going to spend most of our time today talking about application. I believe that there is application to those who are parents uh, who are listening this morning and there is application to the church. And so I will be talking about those two things. But Mark chapter 10, verse 13 is where our journey through the gospel of Mark has taken us. And so I'll read verse 13 through 16 now. It says, and they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, Justin, thank you for praying for me this morning and our time in the Word, and Lord, I do pray that we would have open hearts to hear what you would have to say this morning. Uh, For clarity, in our text, the issue at hand is that Jesus is praying for people, including children. In Matthew, it says, the children were brought to him that he might lay hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked the people. So why did the disciples rebuke? These people for bringing the children or these children for coming uh, to Jesus. Well, in their day, children were um, not given a lot of uh, recognition and status. There were primitive forms of abortion that existed in their day in which unwanted pregnancies would be ended. In addition to this, uh, those children that were born that were disfigured or dismembered um, or even that were female would often be abandoned because they were not to be seen of use in working around the house and and being productive for the family. Um, Also, uh, children were very frequently abused. Uh, Many forms of basic child slavery existed uh, in the culture at this time and in many cultures up until this time. And then uh, children were often physically abused by uh, their parents or by whoever their guardians were. Generally speaking, children really were not of a lot of value to society until they reached adulthood, which in that day was about 14 to 17 years old and could be, to really contribute. Um, One rabbi in the Talmud said this. This is a Jewish religious leader. Morning sleep, midday wine, and chattering with children, and tarrying in places where men of the common people were assembled, destroy a man. So it was thought that basically wasting your time talking to children uh, made you not the kind of man that you should be. So that was their day. But before we think about their day, Um, and think that we're so much better, let us remember that just this year in this country alone, over 600,000 children will be aborted uh, because that pregnancy was not wanted. 40% of children in our country grow up without a father in the house. Abuse, molestation, and neglect leads to over 400,000 children in the foster care system constantly, not to mention those who are not reported when there are cases of abuse and molestation and neglect. And generally speaking, in our society, people want children less, and we are are seeing children as the cost that they are instead of the value they are, and we are less likely to have children or waiting longer to have children. So the disciples rebuke Jesus in their day because this is Jesus. He has important things to do. And children, well, they aren't that important to be spending time with if he's trying to teach the kingdom of God and he's trying to expand the kingdom of God. Luke tells us that they were even bringing infants to be prayed for. So they rebuke these people. Verse 14 says, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God." Now, on Wednesday nights, I have the opportunity to serve uh, alongside Jim Phillips with our third through fifth grade boys. And so, knowing that I was going to be teaching on this passage in a few weeks, one Wednesday night I decided to ask the third through fifth grade boys some questions about this passage just to get some insight. And so, I asked the boys, I said, why? Did these children want to go to Jesus? Why do you think these children wanted to go to Jesus? Some some answers were, they heard about how great Jesus was. So they wanted to know more about Jesus. Some say they saw how Jesus was and they wanted to be like Jesus. One child answered that these children needed to be healed, and so they went to Jesus to be healed. One child said they wanted to learn more from Jesus. And one of them said that these children were demon-possessed, which some Wednesday nights with third through fifth grade boys leads me to believe that could be true. I also asked these boys, ranging from age 8 to 11, why did the disciples rebuke the children? One of them said because Jesus was too busy for children. One said because the children were unrighteous. One said because the disciples were unrighteous. One said they thought the kids would stop listening and be A distraction. One said maybe the disciples were jealous of the children. And one said, what does rebuke mean? Fair question. (laughs) I also asked them, why did Jesus want to be around these children? Why do you think Jesus permitted them to be around? And one said Jesus wanted to help them before it was too late. One said Jesus wanted to heal them. One said Jesus wanted them to believe and go to heaven. One said Jesus wanted to teach them about God And one said he wanted to show others the importance of children. I think that these boys are pretty spot on. You see, these children knew Jesus loved children. So they wanted to be around Jesus. You know, children have this way of really knowing and discerning who is a loving person sometimes. And so what happens when these children go to Jesus is their feelings about Jesus are affirmed. Jesus is praying for these children, and Jesus shows how important these children are to him. If there's any point from today that I want you to hear, it's this. Children are important to Jesus, so they are important to his followers. Children are important to Jesus, and so if we're following him, they're going to be important to us. So I want to talk to parents, and then I want to talk to the church. So I'll start with parents. Many of us in this room or watching online this morning are parents. Maybe you're not a parent, but you have children who are parents, or you might one day be a parent, or you have, you know, grandchildren who are parents, or you're in the lives, hopefully, of other people, and so these are things that you can take. So I have five things I want to say to parents. The first is this. God desires... For believers to multiply. God desires for believers to multiply. When God created man and woman, when he created Adam and Eve, he told them, he commanded them to be fruitful and multiply. And we see multiplication of God's people throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament. You see, this is why infertility is heartbreaking. Infertility is heartbreaking because God has given us a desire as believers to see multiplication and to grow the kingdom of God through multiplication. And so whenever the fall of this world, the sin in this world results in uh, earthly physical reasons that we cannot do that, we feel broken about that. And that is okay. If that's you, that's okay. Because this is a part of God's plan for his people ultimately to be fruitful and multiply. But our culture over the last 50 to 60 to 70 years has really begun to value this less. And even where Christians are less informed about the future of our family and family planning by what does God's word say and more informed by what does the world say about this issue. And the reality is that as a parent, as a married couple, We should have the desire to grow God's kingdom through raising up children who would come to see who he is by being a part of our life. So God desires for believers to multiply. The second thing I would say to parents is this. Quantity time leads to quality time. Quantity time leads to quality time. When we think about parenting, we think about these moments where children have that aha moment where our kids get it, where we have these cherished memories. And what happens is we begin to focus so much on having these quality moments and yet neglect the quantity that we have to put a lot of pressure on ourselves to have quality time. And so I know many people who really, the family doesn't spend a lot of time together But then they go on vacation and they spend a lot of money and they sacrifice to go and dad ends up being like Clark Griswold and he's got to make sure everything goes the way it should be and it does not. Our mom has to make sure she gets those Instagram pictures or Facebook pictures that capture this incredible moment in parenting. And I would just say this to you, there's nothing wrong with quality time. In fact, we want quality time, but quality time almost only happens if you have quantity time. Almost only happens if we are disciplined and routine and spending regular time together as a family. And so, with that in mind, you choose to be too busy for your children. You make the choice to be too busy for your children. Now, we have things we want in life, all kinds of things we want in life, and I'm not saying. Those things are wrong. I don't know what those things are specifically for you, but for right now, I mean, some of them might be wrong, but for right now, we'll just say, I'm not saying any of them are wrong. And so you have all these things you wanna do and all these things that occupy your time. I just wanna say this to you. Jesus was here to save the world and he wasn't too busy (laughs) for children. And so we cannot make the excuse that I'm too busy for my children specifically I, I gave a book to a friend one time because he was telling me that basically he worked up from sunup to sundown and he had other things he was doing and he wanted to be in good shape and so he didn't have time with his children. And the book was titled, is by Andy Stanley, Choosing to Cheat. Now, he, when I gave him that book, he said, no, no, you don't understand my problem. And I was like, okay, that, read the book. I think Andy Stanley's actually changed the title of the book since then. But the point was of the book, you're gonna have to cheat things in your life that you wanna do and you're going to have to choose what you cheat. This is true in my life. For those that know me, I'm driven, I'm ambitious, I I wanna do a lot of good things, and most of it I can say actually is for godly purposes. But I was reading something by author Peter Kreeft one time, great Christian author, and he said this, the best book I ever wrote was the book I did not write when my children were young. And man, when I read that, that just spoke to my heart. You know, for me, I, I, I'm, going, I'm in school and it's going so slow, but it's intentionally going slow because I didn't want it to consume and get in, interfere too much with this short window that I have with my children. My friend Kevin Cox, one of my mentors, says, some of your big dreams should not be fulfilled while you have small children. There are just some things I want to do in my life, perhaps that you want to do in your life, that you're just gonna have to trust, to trust God, that if he really wants you to do that, he'll, he'll make it happen, but it's not going to be at the expense of being present in the life of your children. And with that being said, when you're around them, be present. Be present. And the distractions of the phone, the TV, be present. Quantity time is what leads to quality time. Number three, you are discipling your children. Who are you teaching them to become? You are making them into some type of disciple. Who are you teaching them to become? I'm gonna turn to Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four through nine. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four through 9. It says, when God's given out the law, he says this to his people as they prepare to enter the promised land. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and your gates. And I encourage you to read all of Deuteronomy chapter 6 as it talks about training our children so that when they go into the promised land in Deuteronomy, they would not forget all the ways of God. And God puts the responsibility on parents primarily to ensure that we are teaching our children who God is. Yes, God wants us to be fruitful and multiply. Yes, we need quantity time in order to really have quality time. But we need to ask ourselves, then who are we teaching them to be through our example and through our instruction? Who am I showing my children that they should be? Through the way I live my life and the things that I teach them, because we should be most concerned with our children coming to know who Jesus is. Now, you might ask the question, well, when do my children follow Jesus? When can my child follow Jesus? And I would say, when they earnestly confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. And I think we cultivate that gospel-centric conversation throughout their whole life. And you as a parent are going to best know when they're sincerely confessing that he, that that. He is Lord. And, and don't be obsessed with trying to get your child to say some religious thing that makes you feel like you've done a good job because they got it when they were young. Achievers got to watch out here. And, and, and honestly, as, as, a, as, as pastors, we really place the authority on believing parents. You know, if, if a child wants to get baptized, we want to have a conversation, but ultimately, if they're not... Really, a teenager? We're going to say the parents going to baptize them because you know their heart. Unless we're walking closely with them, and you're the spiritual authority over their life. We're just here to equip you to be the spiritual authority in their life. And so you know, and, and you, you you really want to make sure that they grasp the gospel, and they're confessing that, and they are committed to follow, counting the cost and following Jesus. And then, as a parent, once they've confessed that, it, it doesn't stop. Okay. Kids going to heaven, I'm good. No, we're teaching them ongoing how to follow Jesus and what Jesus wants for their life and how to listen to the Holy Spirit. So you're discipling your children. Who are you teaching them to become? And if there's not intentionality, it's not what God would have you to do. Number four is I would say this. Related to that, but do not hinder your children from getting to Jesus. Do not hinder your children from getting to Jesus. So first I would say, don't be arrogant and assume the gospel and assume just because they're your kids that they grasp their sin and their need of a savior. Don't assume just because you grew up in the South or you grew up in the church or whatever it might be that they understand the gospel, even that, because you go to church regularly. And we really need to have conversations about our humility towards God and our repentance. And so do not assume the gospel. Also, don't fill your kids' schedule with so many things that spending the time with the Lord and as a part of the faith community is a challenge for them. That's on you, parent. Don't allow that to happen. And I'll just say this. Do not be surprised when your children grow up and do not prioritize what you have marginalized in their life. And I was having a conversation with someone who he didn't want the credit, but he's a retired pastor who was the pastor right before me, so you can figure out who it was. Um, and he was saying that so many parents, and you know, he's 71, pastored for many years. So many parents are so busy carting their children around and working their jobs that they're too exhausted to be intentional with their children, and they leave the responsibility to the church to the neglect of their children and the neglect of the responsibility they have before God. And this all hinders your children from getting to Jesus. Do not hinder your children from getting to Jesus. The last thing, number five, and I'll just say this quickly, that I wanna say to parents, and I feel like this is just an application needed for our context, is this. Be more concerned with loving your family than portraying the image of a loving family. Be more concerned with loving your family than portraying the image of a loving family. It matters less that your church friends think you got it right than if you actually got it right. And it matters less what Instagram pictures you can post than are you actually living it out in your home. Okay, so now I wanna move on to the church. And, you know, if you're a parent, this is applicable to both of you. But the reality is God places the responsibility of discipleship primarily on the parents and then as the church to be partnered with the family. When we do our child dedications, we, we emphasize that. It's a, it's a partnership. And so now I'm talking to us as the church. So the first thing I want to say to the church is this. Children are not a distraction from the mission. They are a big part of the mission. Children are not a distraction from the mission. They are a big part of the mission. I briefly served as a student minister uh, in my early 20s. And um, whenever I was interviewed by the council that essentially recommended me to the church, they said one of our big challenges, one of the things we want to see different is we have a good amount of students coming on Wednesday night, but we only have like three to five kids coming on Sunday morning. And so, we wanna see more children on Sunday morning. And I was like, yeah, that would be great because that means their parents are coming. That means uh, they're getting more discipleship. So absolutely. So uh, God really grew our, our student ministry. It was awesome. And after a short period of time on Sunday morning, we started having what was three to five students, six you know, sixth or 12th grade to like 30 to 50 students uh, on Sunday mornings. And then the complaints started coming in. They're loud. They dress different. They don't want to sing hymns. And they are. They're messy, they're honest, they're real, they're emotional. Let me just say this. I praise God that that's not this church. I praise God for the vision that this church has to say, hey, our children and students they're not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of right now. And they might in very many ways be the greatest thing we have right in front of us. You know, a couple years ago, I was having a conversation, this is pre-COVID, but um, we, do, we did these fellowship events as a church and they just started to get really big. And if you've come to any kind of fellowship uh, event we do or Wednesday nights even, it's loud, right? Like, because there's lots of children running around. And somebody said to me, hey, is there any way that we can do a church-wide fellowship event where there aren't all these children? And I said, well, then that is not a church-wide fellowship. Basically, what you're saying is, can we not be around all of the church? I'm not in any way anticipating some stage of my life where children aren't regularly around. This past week, I was able to have two conversations with teenagers in our church, and, you know, their moms texted me, and it was just cool. God, God used it, and I told Christy, I said, these, these guys are 25 years younger than me, and this excites me because, Lord willing, my best days of being a pastor are still ahead of me when I get to help these guys be young fathers, Like when I get to serve alongside them and serve them, the priority of every generation is the next generation. And so that always involves this aspect. Children are not a distraction from the mission. They are a big part of the mission. And so the noise, the crying babies, all those things are not a reason to be frustrated or think it's a distraction, but it's a praise of God because do you know how many churches across our country it is quiet and they are dying? And we praise God for what he's doing here. The second thing I would say to the church is this Christians are never exempt from loving children. You might say, I don't like kids. And then I would say, You are not like Jesus. You're not. You're not like Jesus if you don't like kids. And you might say, well, I'm not in that stage of life anymore. So here's what I would say to you. You are the best one to help. Because, listen, you get to help, and then you get to go home where there are no diapers, there's no confusing homework, and you get to sleep. <laughs> so, so you are the best to help give energy and stability to children's and student ministry. You might be thinking, well, I'm older. Titus, the book of Titus, Paul's instruction of in Titus says, older men, teach the younger men. Older women teach the younger women. And typically, the younger men and the younger women have children around. And so there's an aspect of that involved. If you're single, I would say to you, you have more time to give, and so ask how I might help with these kind of things. If your goal in life is to get away from children, then you don't understand what the church is. And you might not be following Christ. Whenever I'm talking to a family and they are maybe talking to me about something seriously or we're at our Discover Bayshore class or something like that and a child raises their hand or a teenager raises their hand to ask a question and, and, and sometimes it's completely off the wall and random. It has nothing to do what we're talking about. But I answer those questions because what I want children to remember of this pastor is he cared about me. I was important. I wasn't a distraction I was valuable and that's what I want children to remember about this church family no matter how long they were a part of this church family and so I would say this the third thing I would say to the church is this if you are able serve children if you are able serve in some capacity in our children's or student ministries now let me say this some of you your health prohibits you okay Some of you, you got a lot going on in your life. You're not there yet. Okay. Some of you, you're brand new. Okay. It's fine. I'm not talking to you then right now. Okay. And unless you want to talk to me and get my advice about it, we're just going to let that go. But for most of us, if you are able, serve. Now, what tends to dominate our conversation about this is the need. Right? Because every Sunday morning there's the need for slots to be filled and roles to be filled. And, you know, it, it just is. One of the requirements we have of our parents, if you have a child in children's ministry because of the need, uh, is that you serve once a month. Um, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I just think that's just like basic level human unselfishness. Because if you say, no, I want to drop my children off and never be back there, you're saying, so. Those families can do it more, so I don't have to. I mean, we're not like, we don't have, as far as I know, everybody isn't paid back there. It's not their jobs. And so I just feel like it's just like basic level, <laughs> common decency to say, hey, we're, we're in this together. It's a huge opportunity. And you might say, well, I'm not gonna go to this church. I have to. Okay, that's fine. Because we're trying to make disciples. And if you can't begin that basic level of unselfishness, then you're definitely not gonna, Sell all your possessions and give to the poor or whatever Jesus might be calling you to do. And so I think the low things are great points to say I'm not gonna follow. Again, there are people who aren't healthy, people who have a lot going on, people who are brand new, I'm not talking to you. So we talk about that all the time. But here's what I want you to hear from me. It's not about the need. It is about the opportunity that lies before us. Our team put together a... Um, quick video of our children and students, and I want you to take a look at that now. The priority of each generation is the next generation. It's our goal to equip and encourage them to believe in Jesus, belong to God's family, and become who God created them to be. But in order to do that, we need to establish who they are. I am a teacher. I am a disciple. I am right. Child of God. I am a worshiper. I am passionate. Wednesday night and Sunday night on this campus, we have the opportunity to instill in this generation who they are in Christ, who God has created them to be, and that He has a plan for their life. We get the privilege of being a part of that. You know, one of my mentors says, It's not what you teach, it's what you emphasize that sticks with people. We can talk about that all day, but if we show that, that's what children remember. And make no mistake, the children's and student ministries hinges on the faithfulness of those who have said, hey, I'm in. Every week, I'll show up and I'll be there. And I'm so encouraged by this church and the number of people who God has used in that way for such a long time. And I wanna just invite one of those men up to join me right now, Randy Johns. Randy, if you'd come here just for a second. And Randy, if you know Randy, uh, does not like that I'm asking him to come up on the stage. Randy's a plumber. He's... Are you a country boy? Am I allowed to say that? Boggy? Okay, yeah, you can hear the answer is yes. Um, (laughs) uh, He's a man's man. He doesn't like to be silly and goofy with the kids. But for 25 years, he has been up there on Wednesday nights with the boys. Can we just praise God for that? I love you, man. You teach me a lot. You know, Lucas and Alec, our children's minister and student minister, uh, Lucas just turned 25 and Alec is 24. Randy has been up there on Wednesday nights longer than they've been alive. (laughs) Here's what I would say. I know that everybody's not gonna do it weekly, but imagine if as many of us as possible said, hey, we'll give once a month. Once a quarter doesn't help. They're not gonna tell you that. They're gonna say, we'll figure out how to waste it. It doesn't, it doesn't. But if as many of us as possible said once a month at least, we'll be up there. We're gonna carry the burden together. And if our children who grow up in a culture that is telling them the church is irrelevant, God, who God says you are, isn't right. If they grow up and they remember all these men and these women who said you're important Your walk with God is important. Imagine what that emphasizes to them. God God wants us to be a part of that, and it is a big part of what he's calling us to do here. Let me just say two more things quickly. Number four, mature believers should prioritize spiritual children. Some believe that this text is not talking about literal children. (laughs) They're wrong, but that's okay. But it is still true. Mature believers should prioritize spiritual children as well. Those who are newer in the faith, those who don't know a lot. A lot of the principles we talked about are true when it comes to spiritual children. You choose to be too busy to make disciples. Don't hinder them in their pursuit of Jesus and you're never exempt from loving them. You might say, I'm not ready to make disciples. Yes, you are. If you don't know anything about Jesus, but you know there are people you can go to to learn more about Jesus, then you take that person with you and you are showing them probably the most important aspect of being a disciple is that you're always in a posture of humility and learning. And if you're here today and you say, well, I have Bible studies that I'm a part of, so I can't serve and make disciples, I mean this with love. If you aren't serving, your Bible studies are not working. They're not The Baptist preacher used to say that information without application is an abomination. And information with application leads to transformation. It's both and. We're in the word with believers and we're serving in some way. It's not just serving and getting burnt out and not having people speak into our life. It's both and. And I'll say the greatest hindrance to what I'm talking about today is pride. Those of you who are rejecting this for not reasons of health and something overwhelming you, it's pride. The greatest objection to serving in any capacity, and specifically with children and students, is pride. And there's a very close connection between your humility and your ability to lead children to Jesus. And if you are not childlike toward God, children will probably be beneath you and not worth your time. If you are not childlike towards God, children will probably be beneath you and not worth your time. You see, what children do is they remind us of how we should approach God. Jesus says in verse 15, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. The disciples say these children have nothing to offer you, Jesus. Why would you spend time with them? And he says, that's the gospel. The gospel is you have nothing to offer a holy God and he chooses to spend time with us. He chooses to welcome us into his lap. And so here is how I want us to respond. God is a good father. God is a good father, so trust him, trust him, humble yourself, and look to him for your next step. God is a good father, so be a good parent. God is a good father, and so let that fuel your desire to be intentional in raising your children to see who they are in Christ. And God is a good father, so help his children. Prioritize what he prioritizes. Let what is important to him be important to you. So I just wanna lead us to a time of response based on those three things. I'm actually gonna ask if uh, Lucas, our children's minister, and Alec, our student minister, and Michael Van Zant, our associate pastor, of discipleship and families would join me. And I just wanna pray for them uh, as I pray these things. So I just wanna begin uh, leading us in a time of prayer. So if you'll just pray with me. Lord, you are a good father. And I realize that there are those in this room, there are those who are watching, that that's a hard concept for them because they don't have an earthly example. And got it it breaks my heart. And maybe they've been running, trying to prove themselves as worthy. But God, that's not what you're asking for. You just want them to come to you. And so Lord, I just pray that men and women would just go to you and they would know that you've loved the world you've loved them that you sent your son so that they could be a son and a daughter of God this is their identity this is their purpose and so may they just trust you God I pray for those who are parents in here If someone in this room is thinking, man, I've really messed up, I welcome them to the club. But we're a family that says, how can we be more and more like our heavenly father every day? How can we repent every day? How can we confess our sins every day to one another, to our children, and just try every day in grace to point our children towards God? who they are in you. And so Lord, in the different ways that that needs to be worked on and there needs to be repentance and commitment, Lord, I just pray that you would work in the fathers and mothers in this room to parent out of the posture of being a child of our heavenly father. And Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for our children God, I thank you that there are children who are seeing how loved they are, that are hearing how loved they are. And Lord, I pray that you would rise us up even more to do a work. That God, you just do something special and that every child, whether they're here for zero to 18 or only for two because of the military, God, I just pray that they leave this church knowing how loved they are by these people and by you. I pray for Lucas I just thank you that you've called him here and I thank you for his passion and I just pray you strengthen him and you help him to see the victories in children's ministry in the midst of the chaos that exists so much and help him to serve out of love for you God I thank you for our students and just the work that you're doing in our students and God I pray that you would continue to help them to see that they are the church of right now that we want them to be a part of what you're doing here. In many ways, we think the move of God, it revolves around what is happening through the students as it has in so many churches over history. And I pray for Alec and I pray for Ashley, Lord God, that you would just help them to continue to first and foremost be the example you've called them to be in their walk with you and in their relationship. And God, that they would make disciples who pursue you. And God, that you would raise up a generation of leaders to to keep us going forward, and God, I thank you for our families. I thank you that Pastor Michael is in the role he's in to shepherd our families and connect our generations, and I I truly pray that as a church, we would be partnering together from generation to generation to pour into this next generation, and so God, may you strengthen uh, all that work. And God, as you bless our church with many children who come to us from uh, without families, God, we praise you for trusting us and we pray that we would be found faithful. So God, stir in our hearts however you want in this moment. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As they exit the stage, I just want us to take a moment, just each of us to ask God, what is it that you are calling me to? We'll respond together in song in just a moment.